Welcome back in. It's another episode of Brewcast. Big episode on the way for you here today. I am Luke Giardi, back after last week. Feels really good to be back. Joined by Anthony Broom and Chris Castellani, guys. A lot to get to here in the early going. Good to be back with you guys, though. And uh, you guys had a great show last week, even without me. I got a little, I got a little nervous, you know, about my uh, my my starting spot, my my spot in the lineup a little bit. You We're know, getting Wally pipped. Yeah, ex- exactly. You know, come back <laughs> and no room, no room off the bench for me. But good to be back with you guys. How you guys doing here? There's always room. Um, yeah, it's been like three weeks since we've talked, but it feels like it's been like 15 minutes since we've last talked. Honestly, like time just flies when, when we make podcast magic together. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's been uh, it's been fun. Uh, I mean, I'm glad that we're all back together now. Finally. Um, yeah, like I said, just happy to be back and uh, ready to talk about what is uh, a much more interesting week in Michigan sports. than I think we originally well, definitely more than we originally had anticipated. Yeah, this is uh, this is usually a bit of a downtime, but we had some big news coming out of the University of Michigan here today. Former five-star recruit Aubrey Solomon is transferring from the football program. Uh, this one hit me kind of out of left field. I'm going to be honest with you. I had no rumblings about it, heard nothing about it, and then boom. He's gone. I, I don't know about you guys, but uh, this one this one was a bit of a shock to me. Yeah, I didn't see this one coming. Uh, this was, I mean, a lot of times you could always see rumblings of things like this, like there's stuff on the message board. And you, usually how it goes down is it's on the message board and like someone like that doesn't necessarily leak the paywall to info, like sends out a cryptic tweet, like just some rando, an, an undo hundo that everyone's like, he tweets out something, something's going down. Then everyone starts tweeting at Sam Webb and then yada, yada, yada. But like this kind of comes out of left field because Aubrey Solomon was a guy who former five-star guy, albeit we'll talk about how he sort of had a weird road to Michigan in the first place. We'll talk about that here in a bit, but yeah, this is a guy who was injured all year, uh, only played in two games, but someone who figured to be starting at defensive tackle Definitely this year, especially next year with some of the guys that they're losing up front. So this is surprising. Like there was no impetus for this. There was no indications that this is this thing that was going to happen. I, I don't know if something went on behind the scenes, though. We'll talk about this too. Like it kind of seems like there may have been uh, just a really weird situation. And, you know, it is to me at least a minor concern uh, for the player. I mean, there's there are bigger implications too that we'll get into but this is a guy that like you lose a guy from a position that was really your weakest position on defense a position that i don't think you're all that deep at now going into next year so for all the people that say oh don't worry about it yippee skippy yep those who stay everything's gonna be fine like yeah it may be fine but still sucks like you don't want to lose talented guys regardless of what the circumstances are yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I don't feel as uh, strongly about it, I think, as you guys do. Uh, the the one thing that is, it's disappointing just because he he came from Georgia, right? Yeah, he's from Leesburg, Georgia. Yeah, and he was kind of in a, during that uh, satellite camp, uh, you know, when, when that was really being pushed and the NCAA was uh, trying to get in the way. He was one of the big gets that Michigan got arguably maybe even the biggest that they got. Um, oh, easily. Yeah. yeah I mean, from, they, had, they had to take a lot of fringe guys along the way in those satellite camp tours to like make a guy like that want to commit, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, from that aspect to, to put in that much effort uh, to get a guy who uh, I, I won't, uh, I can't even say under chief cause we don't know how good he could have been. But was definitely a disappointment in the time he was in a Michigan uniform. Uh, that part sucks. But I, I, I think for the people that are are upset or, or worried about what you know the effect this will have on uh, the defense, like I, I think the defense will ultimately be fine. But it is, uh, it, it is a a tough loss for sure, and. 
uh, a disappointing trend that Michigan has been losing uh, so many guys, uh, especially from that that 2017 class, which uh, next year especially is going to be an you know an incredibly important one. Yeah, that's the big thing with me is that this is now the eighth guy you've lost from that class, and you know when those guys 2017, those guys are going to be juniors next year. So when you start talking about upperclassmen, especially that was that 2017 class was like a really impressive recruiting class. So. Anytime that you you're losing members of that, you're losing what the backbone of your roster is supposed to be. And then you're maybe forcing young guys into positions they're not ready for, or a a fourth or fifth year senior that isn't that good uh, ends up getting bumped up the depth chart. So um, it is concerning in that regard. I mean, there it's more than just the five-star guy and the player that they're losing. I mean, it's, it is becoming a bit of a trend and, and I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong at Michigan. Like I said before, Luke, I'm going to kind of tee this up for you now. Like it was a weird recruitment to start with. So that he's leaving the program isn't really all that big of a surprise to me. Uh, Cause it kind of felt like maybe they were destined for this to happen. Um, Cause usually like from my experience in all of this, just like I cut my teeth on the recruiting beat. That's how I got this. That's all how all of this started for me. Like there's no brewcast if there is no me being a recruiting writer like five years ago. In my experience doing that, the the strange recruitments usually end up having strange careers. But in a way, because they were strange careers, it's like an expected end to it. So, I mean, that's not to say that Aubrey Solomon isn't going to go somewhere else and be a good player. But, um, you know, it's how often do guys that highly recruited that don't pan out early magically flip the switch somewhere else. It just doesn't happen. That's yeah, that's absolutely true. And you brought up the, the best point when I thought about this, you know, is that he did have that thing where he committed to Michigan, then decommitted. I I think he committed to Georgia and then flipped back to Michigan after he had, um, a, a video come out dissing Michigan. Then he flipped back after an apology, like, just from the get-go, this was this was weird, and that's why if this happened in a vacuum, I'd be like, it makes sense, right? But like you said, eight players from a vaunted 2017 class and some highly ranked players. You know, obviously uh, Solomon is gone. Drew Singleton he left kind of out of nowhere as well. Um, Deron Irving Bay took off. I mean, these are that that's two. F- four stars in a five star right there. You know, Omari Samuels now gone because of the domestic violence charge from there. Uh, Jeraymond Hall. He was another four star who transferred it, James, James Hudson gone. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Corey Malone Hatcher gone. Right. And, and to your point, Anthony is the fact that who's going to hold up this 2017 class. Like there's a lot of good players from that 2017 class that are still going to be on the team next year. DPJ, uh, Cesar Ruiz, is still there. Um, Ambry Thomas is still there. Tariq Black, Dylan McCaffrey, Nico Collins, Oliver Martin. Like, there's a lot of good players still a part of this 2017 sure. class. But at the same time, you now you're going to be looking at guys to to fill in. And the 2018 class obviously leaves a lot to be desired. You know, that was, uh, that was one of those classes that if, you know, three or four guys really contribute for you, you're going to be, you're going to be really happy out of that class you know it's like there's depth what makes Bama great depth you know they they have top talent and they have it across the board in droves what makes Clemson great depth what makes Ohio State great they're great every year because they have depth Michigan losing these guys and especially highly touted guys and there's a lot of transfers a lot of attrition coming out of this program I, I think it is a cause for concern a little bit yeah, and I'm just going back here looking at 2016. Uh, you know, Kingston Davis, running back, gone. Uh, Nate Johnson, gone. He, didn't he have another, wasn't it another violence issue or something like that? I forget what it was. Uh, he's gone. Uh, Eddie McDoom, gone. Yeah. Uh, who else in here? Kareem Walker. Kareem Walker's gone. Kikoa Crawford's gone. 
Devin Asiasi gone. Rashawn um, Gary's going to be gone, obviously. Rashawn Gary's gone probably to the draft, obviously. Devin Bush probably also gone. So it's like <laughs> the it's starting to look a little sketchy here. Like when you look at it that way, it's not just the, uh, you know, and oh, real quick before I forget, like I dropped something in here for Chris. So I'm just going to put a piece of audio real quick that you'll appreciate. He gone. Yeah, the Hawk. <laughs> the Hawk. Love it. Love the little drops we could drop in here now. But um, yeah, uh, when you start looking at the attrition, not just the recruiting trail, like, do I think that something's going on in Michigan? Like, no, I don't. I think that anytime you bring in that amount of guys, like 25, 30 guys a year, it's like it's like when the teachers used to say, like, you know, of the 30 of you in this classroom, like one or two of you will be homeless or one or two of you might even be dead or things like that. So like the numbers are just like not in your favor. Just before we, we recorded this, Justin Fields, a quarterback from Georgia, another highly recruited guy transferring because depth, it happens across college football. He wasn't going to supplant Jake from Jacob Eason had transferred out after last year. That, that stuff happens. Um, But But that's, that's one of those things where like, he doesn't want to sit behind from the concerning thing here. For guys, you know, like Aubrey Solomon, is that he was absolutely going to play. Drew Singleton was probably going to start as a linebacker next year. Aubrey Solomon was absolutely, if he was healthy, was going to be, you know, the the starting nose tackle. That is the concerning thing, is guys, when they finally get their chance at some playing time, that's when they're deciding to leave. Yeah, and the concerning thing, too, is that, like, this is... I think we've sort of talked about this before. We're like a big part of the reason that Ohio state was able to do what it did to Michigan. Now, mind you 99 times out of a hundred, they weren't going to blow Michigan out. Like that was when Chase Winovich said that was a mirage. Like I believe that to a certain extent, but like when push came to shove, Ohio state had better athletes, better players and more highly recruited guys that just made more plays. So when you're Michigan and over the years you've you've had, you know, Derek Green, Shane Morris were five star fringe five star type guys. Rashawn Gary and Jabril Peppers, while good, and while I'll also say those guys, I think at times were not used properly is not the right word, but I think they could have been used in a way that better suited what they do well. Those guys are kind of underwhelming. You have a guy in Aubrey Solomon now who's transferring out like when you're five star, when you're in a moment of a game where a five star's got a five star, where are the five stars at? Like mm-hmm. it's hard to it's hard to get those guys if you're not Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson. So when you do get these one or two guys, they've got to make a bigger impact than I mean, Gary and, and Peppers weren't bust by any means. Jabril Peppers, I mean, went out and won a football game for the Browns over the weekend. Like he played awesome. Uh at Michigan, those guys just never have made a big enough impact. And it's you can't just stop recruiting five stars because you need those guys and you need them to pan out. But it's like, man, oh man, like it's not necessarily Michigan's fault or even the kids' fault. It's just kind of like some cosmic ray of negativity where it just doesn't work out. Yeah, you're right. It's disappointing because you remember what I said and I think it's not to pat myself on the back but one of the smarter things I've said before the Ohio State game where I said our next year's worth years worth of conversations uh, how we how we discuss things on this podcast were going to be decided by that game um, I feel like that's uh, continuing I, I do I don't even know if we would be covering this we would but but not to this extent if they just one gone out against Ohio state and lay an egg. Yeah. I, you know I, what I, though? I kind of, and not to cut you off, but I kind of feel okay. like in this case, this is a transfer that probably would have happened anyways. Like if it happened. So that's fair. I don't, I don't know. I think maybe the, the trend of like maybe guys like losing guys like Dax Hill and some of these other recruits that they have, like, I think there there's definitely something to that because if you don't want to lose those guys, you have to win those games. Like, period. Those are 
I wasn't like I wasn't bullshitting you when I said when I told you guys that that game against Ohio State was a huge paradigm shifting game. It was elite recruits go play at elite programs, and you showed your ass and showed that you're not an elite program. So this is a byproduct of that. So I mean, Michigan's always going to recruit well, but are they going to get enough of those guys? Not until they win those games. Period. No, you're right. And, and what I meant, I, I, I do think, yeah, the transfer probably would have happened. I just don't think the emphasis, as much emphasis would have been put on it. Yeah. Right. Because we'd be we'd still be you, basking in the glow of a Big Ten championship and and talking and just kind of getting to the point of, well, things are going to be fine. They already are fine. But uh, as the, the losses to big rivals and uh, especially Ohio State uh, and, you know, years go by without a Big Ten title as they continue to grow, uh, the more we were kind of on edge and the more uh, transfers like Aubrey Solomon uh, bother us. Yeah, man, I, I agree with you, Chris. I, it probably wouldn't have this, like, apocalyptic feel that it has right well, now. Because what it does is you see all the bits with people out there going like, oh, what's going on at Michigan? Oh, is there trouble in paradise? Oh, is Harbaugh going to go back to the NFL? Like, this shit happens every year. Yeah. But it's like, it's never as bad as people make it out to be. It sucks. It's concerning. This this to me is a bummer because I thought, I think you're losing a good player. It's not like you're losing, you know, again, no disrespect to the kid, but. You're, it's not like you're losing Kurt Taylor, who was never going to see the field at Michigan. Like, right. it's a guy that I, was, I expected to be a contributor, even if he wasn't a starter. Like, on that defensive line, there's a lot of opportunities for for depth and to come in and make an impact. And now you lose one of those guys. So, I don't know, man. It's, it sucks. It, and when we broke down the recruiting and all the all the attrition that's happened, you know, since in Harbaugh's recruiting classes, starts to look a little bit more thin, you know, than than you would hope and especially with all the guys you're losing to the draft this year that that defense could could look very different next year and you, you obviously got guys like quitty pay who are going to step up josh Uchi's going to step up you know th- there's a lot aiden hutchinson's going to get a lot of tick next year but at the same time man i, I just go back to depth 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 that's what's going to get you through a grueling college football season that's good what's going to win you big 10 titles yeah. Sidebar real quick. Did you see that in uh, Todd McShay's first mock draft, he had Rashawn Gary as the number two overall pick to the 49ers? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did see that. And listen, I, I like Rashawn and he's to me probably still a mid first round guy right now. Number two overall pick is fucking insane. Pardon my French. I, like, and they, it's funny because during the, during the clip, they were talking about how, He's such a fantastic edge rusher, but the project, you know, production was never there. Like, no, what he is to me is like he's a three technique in a in a four three defense, or he's one of those like run stuffing ends in a three four. Like, he's not. This isn't Joey Bosa or Nick Bosa or JJ Watt. Like, that's not what Rashawn is. So already you kind of see these the draft people like kind of talking out of their ass. I'm gonna be honest with you, Anthony. I disagree. I think he could be a fantastic yeah. edge rusher. Uh, when he wants to be, if he was let loose like Chase was let loose when he was in there, I absolutely think he'd think he'd put up the production Nick Bosa put up. Absolutely, um, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. I think he's going to be a much better pro player, yep. than he was a uh, college player. And that would be that would be even more disappointing, honestly, because <laughs> like right. I feel like I feel like Don Brown, regardless of some of his shortcomings in big games, is smarter than a lot of these like cavemen in the NFL today. Mm-hmm. So it's like, damn, would, that feels like a, a missed opportunity. Right. But, absolutely. Um, but at the same time, I, I mean, Rashawn still anchored no. the perhaps the best defense in college football last year. Sure. So, sure. The but when you look at like, I don't want to turn this into a, a Rashawn Gary show, but I don't, because I don't want his mom to be pissed off at us. But <laughs> when you look at some of the other guys, like Quinn and Williams, Clellan Farrell, um, Ed Oliver, like those guys should all be drafted ahead of Rashawn Gary. So like, yeah, if you want to say like number nine to the Lions or whatever, something like that, top 10, I have no issue with that. But like number two, like, damn. Like, like for me, I think he's better than Nick Bosa 
even as an edge rusher. And I think he's going to have a better career than Nick Bosa. That might be a hot take. I don't know. But yeah, I, I kind of think Nick is better than Joey, though, if, when he's healthy. Well, yeah, well, Joey can't stay healthy either. I mean, he's good when he is healthy, but your best ability is availability. Well, right? we, yeah, that's true. But can we at least agree that, like, number Rashawn Gary, number two overall pick, that's like, that doesn't seem all that realistic. It will, we'll see. So uh, just wait till the, he's going to blow everyone away at the combine. Like it's okay. It, you know. okay it, I'll just, I'm just going to take this L and be the hater then. That's fine. I have no issue with that. Yeah. That's fine. It's like, I just think like his numbers at the combine, like the athletic freak that he is, is going to be, whoa. I, I think it's going to blow a lot of, a lot of teams away. I do. I do like Rashawn a lot. Like not only is like a, a player, but like, he's a really good kid too. So, um, I I would love to like, Hey, why be number two? Why don't you just be the number one pick? Like go out right. and well, maybe and do that. Maybe I'm riding so hard for this because we did our predictions, our bold predictions at the beginning of the year. And I, my prediction was that Rashawn Gary was going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I remember that now. <laughs> See, you could have, you could, you had, you had an out there. You could have like, you could have like, just, we probably would never remembered that, but now it's in stone. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Hey, I, I don't like, he's a good kid and a good player and he did good. I, I do think that when people talk about, yeah, he was a little underwhelming, but so was everyone else on that defense because they pooped their pants in, in the yeah. biggest game they ever played. So that's not, not, there was a lot of production to go around on that defense. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, and like you said, the dude was double and triple, like the people for the people that people see defensive end next to his name and think that he's, like he is supposed to be like Reggie white or like the greatest pass rusher in the history of ever. But like the dude was getting double, double a triple team. Like I think a lot of the hate that he does get from Michigan fans is super overblown. Like, Oh, well, uh, hopefully he has more sex in the NFL than he had at Michigan. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> you don't, you don't, that's just such a, that's just being shitty for the sake of being shitty. Right. It just, it's stupid. But also, and last thing on Rashawn Gary, and you guys might call me crazy, I see a lot of Aaron Donald in him in being able to get to the, the quarterback from inside. So look out That's for that. Possible. See, I always thought, I thought coming out of high school, he was sort of like a less, like a not psychotic version of Indomitian Sue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could see that. I could see that too. Um, but God, I mean, you look like, I, I love the NFL draft when you like this year's class of defensive linemen is like, you're going to get dudes like Dexter Lawrence from Clemson, like probably is like someone who go like in the 10 to 16 range in like any other draft class, he'd be like right. top eight pick. Yeah. So it's like, damn, I can't wait. The quarterbacks in this class stink. Although I think that, I think that Dwayne Haskins would have a chance to be the top guy, but like, if you're a, when we're, this is kind of an offensive renaissance in the league right now. This might be like the draft that tips the scales, like sort of back towards defense because there is just so much talent there. But like, I, it's going to be, yeah. And like, look at all the bad teams. Like, unless they're going to make it, like, who Arizona is going to be picking near the top. They just took Rosen, who looks bad, but we don't know because their coaching is, is also terrible there. But like, who are some guys that are even in the market for quarterbacks that are going to be picking high? Jacksonville? probably like who are you gonna I mean you've with? got I mean Arizona San Francisco they don't need quarterbacks nope. Oakland I don't think we'll need a quarterback uh, they, I mean, with- they gave him so much damn money I can't imagine they they really can't afford to draft a quarterback I think that they could trade him and like take on some dead cap and it wouldn't be that terrible but um I think they'll stick with him like because they have they have three first round picks so they could put a lot of talent right back around Derek Carr after like destroying his roster. But, but like yeah, the, Li- Jack- the Lions aren't going to take a quarterback. Jacksonville's the only one like off the top of my head. Jacksonville, uh, Buffalo doesn't need one. The Jets don't need one. Falcons don't need one. You, you I don't really think the Jets don't. I mean, they won't draft one. But do you really think Darnold's the the guy there? Maybe no. no but- I don't think Haskins is better than Darnold. Maybe not. Uh, he, I, I mean, they'll, they'll stick with Sam Darnold. Now, if he sucks next year and they're terrible, like yeah. they'll be looking, they'll be licking their chops for Jake Fromm and, and Tua. And maybe like if Justin Herbert stays in school, it comes out the year after, but like 
I don't know, looking at the other teams in the top 10, like Cincinnati, I, I don't think they'll take a quarterback because they like Andy Dalton for some reason. The Giants <laughs> need a quarterback. Um, Tampa Bay might need a quarterback. I, I, I guess I could see the Giants doing it, and if Tampa wants to move on from Jameis, yeah. I could. I guess I could see those two for sure. I think I think the point in all of this is that like every year we see teams like trade up a bunch of picks to like co- go up and get their guy like like the Jets did with Darnold like uh, God I mean it worked out for the Chiefs but when they made the trade to trade up for Pat Mahomes like people thought they were insane but- I thought the Bears were insane I still kind of think they do but hey Trubisky NFC North winner in year number two yeah and he's he's not that good but he's no. in a good situation right now yeah. so credit to them like. Because you have to surround these, you have to surround your, like, there's three things. Play calling, protection, playmakers. They have all three of those. So mm-hmm. it's, any quarterback will succeed in that. And when you see these these guys that stink, like, usually one, two, and sometimes three of those things they don't have. So, um, but yeah, I don't think you're going to see teams trade up. I, I think what you might see them do is trade up for some of the defensive line guys because... Like I said, it's it's a embarrassment of riches. I mean, the fact that we could even debate Rashawn Gary versus Nick Bosa or versus Cleland Farrell or, or any of those other guys, like for any spot, is you know speaks right. is, speaks to what in itself. So, so uh, well, somehow we got on the topic of the NFL draft. I, oh man, I love the love the podcast while we're kind of in basketball non-con games right now and as we had a week before bowl season but i know we got some questions anthony that you that you put out there on the on the maze and brew account we got some questions for today's show yes um the sound you hear in the background is like papers ruffling here so just a second here let me cue them up this is great great radio right here great podcasting <laughs> um i'm just i'm gonna start with not a question but a comment this was this is from Ignatius J. Riley at Levi Pants07. Uh, he says, with James Hudson leaving, Singleton transferring, Dax Hill flipping, I'm starting to think that Harbaugh is losing his touch or that he is leaving. Do you guys think that there's anything to that? No. No. I don't. <laughs> uh, I think. Okay, next question. No, this is uh, just to elaborate a little bit on it. You know, when it comes down to it, we knew – what Jim Harbaugh was when he got to Michigan and there was no reason to think that he was going to change. Right. Like he, he rubs people the wrong way. And one of the big knocks on urban this year was that he wasn't playing the best guys, especially on defense at Ohio state, instead of kind of picking favorites on who he promised things to and and wanted guys to stay with the program. And that's just not what Jim Harbaugh is ever going to be, which I, I think there's something to that. When you take a look at some of these guys and some of this attrition, uh, this is just who Jim Harbaugh is. It's it's who he's always been, whether he's been at Stanford, where he's been at the Niners, or where he's going to be at Michigan. This is just who he is and, and what's always going to be pretty much going on with him. Yeah, I don't think there's any need to address that more than that. Um, I'll move on here. Uh, let's see. This is from at Bon underscore the underscore builder. Uh, he says, what is up with U of M's retention rate? Seems like there have been a lot of transfers, and it seems this year's team – was thinner than in 2016. Um, I mean, I guess I'll start with this one. Uh, some of it, when people say there's something going on at Michigan and then other people say, oh, this happens everywhere. I honestly, like, this might sound like a cop-out, but I think it's a bit of column A and a bit of column B. I mean, there might be something going on. Uh, obviously, some guys go to school to play at the highest level, play for championships, and also get drafted. And if you're pushed down a depth chart or you're not being promised, you know, playing time, guys move on. Uh, is Jim Harbaugh abrasive? Yeah. He can be a little bit abrasive. He's kind of a weird dude. He's a good dude. I think he's a good football coach, but he's not for everyone. Uh, so that's where you get some of that. And it's also like a lot of some of the recruits, like uh, we've seen it before with the, you know, with a Kurt Taylor, or with some of the other guys that they've taken and then kind of processed, they've also been guilty of taking guys that they shouldn't take sometimes. Um, like uh, who was the offensive lineman a few years ago? Eric Swenson was one. He was a, I think he was a holdover from a Brady Hope class. 
and they just like right before it was time to for him to to join they just kind of cooled off on him and he pulled out so um, stuff like that happens too i mean especially the satellite camps that was a little ridiculous a lot of the recruits they were getting out of that i mean it was you know there was a two-star kid a uh, couple some two stars obviously like a couple of those guys end up being Devin Gill, Devin Bush, and Josh Metellus. So like, yeah, they worked, but there was also, I think that's where that comes from too. So like, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is major college football. Um, but at the same time, like I, I think I'd rather, you don't want anyone to leave on bad terms. But like, I think you'd rather see some of the dudes lower on the roster that are having a hard time getting playing time leave, as opposed to guys that you think can be major contributors. I, I want to address the, the 2016 part. Like, here's the thing, man. 2016 was a bit of an anomaly. They had 11 guys drafted off that team. Jabril and Taco both went in the first round. They had Chris Wormley, Jordan Lewis, Delano Hill, Ben Gideon, you know, Jeremy Clark on that defense. Like, Ryan Glasgow, like, here's the thing. is that, in camps, I think that number was 15 or 16 by the time you counted training camp. Yeah, right. The undrafted free agents, it was it was through the roof. But, I mean, 11 were drafted in the first six rounds. Like, yeah, it, you're probably not going to see a Michigan team that deep for a long time. Like, if that offense was anything, Michigan would have been Big Ten champs that year. You know? Uh, think about the offense. The offense lost in the Iowa game. What they lose? 14-13 that game? Then they lost it was 17-17 in Ohio State going in overtime. If that offense is anything, Michigan's winning the Big Ten Championship and they're they're playing in the college football playoff. And who knows what kind of noise they have in the college football playoff. But that offense just it, it wasn't good enough against good teams. You know, Wilton Spate just kind of showed that he wasn't that good of a quarterback. Uh, around that time like no team you're not going to see a team for a long time as deep as that 2016 Michigan team was I agree yeah I I can't really add anything else to that but that's that's definitely a good point about 2016 I mean that was uh was uh, it, it we could do a, a compare and contrast or, or a versus type of thing sometimes talking about which defense was better 2016 or 2018, but uh, I think we can both agree 2016 uh, was the deeper unit and uh, pending something ridiculous, uh, they'll have a lot more guys drafted. Yeah, you give that team 2018's offensive line and they don't lose a game that year. No, they probably win the Big Ten title. It's big. So, um, all right, well, let's move on here. I got a couple of them that are kind of similar. Let's see. I like, so I want to, I'm going to read a few of them because I think they all kind of tie in. Uh, where to go? All right. This is from John Hartsmark. He says, if there are key offensive players potentially leaving wide receivers in parentheses, will Harbaugh alter the offense more? He keeps thinking the past works. Saban and others have modified and adapted. He keeps being so stubborn. Uh, I don't disagree with any of that, but let me read the question here. Uh, this is from Aaron Bryant uh, at DJ Tut underscore UM. It says, use your imagination. You are the Michigan OC for the 2019 season, and you've been giving complete autonomy. What would be the most notable changes in the offense with you at the helm? And uh, he says, more first and second out passes, screens to Chris Evan, and dumps off to Ben Mason, uh, misdirection instead of off tackle. Um, I'll start here since I read off the question. I think... First and foremost, yeah, I would like to see – we saw too many times where it would be run on first down, run on second down. Okay, sometimes you're in a third and two, it can run the ball again. Or sometimes you're in a third and six where it's a little bit harder to pick up. And you could bully some of the other teams around and still run the ball on third and six, but you aren't going to do that to Ohio State. You aren't going to do that to Michigan State, any of those. So, yeah, I'd like to see – we've talked about this before. The biggest misconception is that people think that if they alter the offense, they need to go five wide receivers and every play is out of the shotgun and things like that. Pro st- like the pro style offense works. I mean, you, you can do some different things out of there. Therefore there are, there are certain plays that you can run out of an, any number of formations and looks and things like that. Uh, but I would like to, the, I'm giving complete autonomy. 
I'm letting my quarterback I'm putting the ball in my quarterback's hands and letting him make plays. Like, yeah, he might fumble the ball on a scramble. He might throw an interception or two, but I want my guy to be cerebral enough to just take what the defense gives you. There's so many playmakers on the outside. Donovan Peoples-Jones, Nico Collins, hopefully a, a healthy Tariq Black. You know, a still, you know, you're going to have Nick Eubanks, Sean McKeon, or Sean McKeon, sorry, uh, some of these other guys at tight end. Chris Evans at running back still. You got some talented guy. Like, there's a lot. There's too much there to just put on a helmet and, you know, run headfirst into a brick wall. So, yeah, I, I would open things up a little bit and just go where the rest of college football is going because no one cares about your your ten, the 10 wins you get by bullying teams that have no chance of beating you around. Yeah. I mean, I, I think this is going to be something we're, we're going to be talking about all off season. I think we all agree the offense or at least uh, the, the play calling offensively improved. You know, I don't even know. I don't even know if it was so much the improvement of the play calling or the execution by virtue of the fact that there was just a competent quarterback there. Um, a, the, that's kind of a, a argument for another day, but I think the, overall the offense improved this season. Uh, they had moments, uh, you know, some flashy moments. I, I think um, that there were games where the, the bully run it down your throat tactic worked. But I think even in some of those games, what was the the deciding factor was was uh, when they did open up the offense. You look at the Michigan State game. Yeah, Karan Higdon was awesome, and uh, you know Ben Mason scored a touchdown the last drive. You ha- or not on the last drive, but the score that put the game away. You had uh, Shea Patterson with a few read options, but the the two biggest plays of the game uh, were passing plays. Uh, you know. Down the field, obviously the one to DPJ was was you know arguably the Michigan's biggest play of the year. Um, it, it's something we all want to see uh, a more open offense, especially if Shea comes back because we feel like there's something uh, it, he's yet to be fully unleashed. We've seen him in bits and pieces be great, um, and, and I'm with you. I, I think that there's I, I'm willing to accept. Uh, yeah, there might be a a uh, the occasional uh, muff snap or the occasional uh, you know fumbles on a on a rollout or something like that. But you look at some of the great college quarterbacks of recent memory and some of the most explosive offenses. Deshaun Watson threw seventeen picks his last year at Clemson. So the the I think the, there's this fear, uh, and I I don't know what where it began, but I think there's a, there's this horrible fear at Michigan uh, of, of turnovers and how much they could kill you when in reality, I mean, yeah, I think the Wilton state Ohio state game, obviously like that's the type of game where turnovers killed you. But for the most part, the defense has been able to rise above that. I think with a more explosive, more open offense, uh, obviously I think they will be, they could be able to score more points and I think it, it will at a certain point, uh, maybe Ohio State, uh, they're going to have to get into a game where uh, there's going to be a shootout. It's inevitable. It happens every season now, especially with the way offenses are. And with the way Michigan's offense is designed right now, they can't afford to get into a game like that. I think that's one of their biggest problems. So here's my thing. I want to go back to 2017, that recruiting class. You've got a five-star receiver in Donovan Peoples-Jones. You've got three four-star receivers in Tariq Black, Nico Collins, and Oliver Martin, a part of that class. Why the hell are you running so many damn two and three tight end sets? Like, what are you doing running 23 personnel out there when you've got these playmakers? Get them the ball in space. I would go 11 personnel until someone decided that they can stop it. Either McCune, Gentry, whoever at tight end, Chris Evans at running back, and you got four receivers on the field. Throw, I would throw either Shea or D-Mac, whoever is going to be quarterback next year, 
in shotgun, throw Chris Evans next to him, and there are so many possibilities. You could go, you could go uh, double twins, motion a guy over into a trips on one side, single receiver on the other side. It's similar to really what the Chiefs do. I think they do a really good job of this in a lot of misdirection. I agree with whoever sent the tweet in to use a, a ton of misdirection. You know, always keep the defense on their toes, but you can run a lot of zone read out of 11 personnel, and I think this offensive line is very capable of doing that. Chris Evans has a good enough vision to be able to run a lot of zone read out of the shotgun uh, with four wide receivers out there. Just one. Uh, Harbaugh's love for the tight end is is really, I think, hampering this offense when it comes down to it. Well, the thing to me is like, and we've talked about this before too, where Alabama has adapted, and they do – there's a lot of that stuff that they do now. And then when you need to cl- choke someone out late, you go right back, you go into bully ball, rip someone's throat out and finish the football game. So like you don't scrap that. You don't go away from that, but it's, it's more like another bullet in the chamber as opposed to like what you are. So yeah, I mean, there, there are gonna be times where especially like you look at next year's team now, like I don't know. I would expect the defense to be good, but I don't know if they're going to be elite or amazing. So you're, you might find yourself in a shootout a few more times than, than you you'd like to be. And you have to be able to, you can't just run the ball and hope that you just, I think it's smart to play possession, play uh, for the clock and all that. But there are times too, where you gotta, you gotta score touchdowns. Yeah. So that's, that's- that's that's a huge that's a crucial part. That's what Michigan could do anything in the red zone, man. It it was frustrating so much. In the offense either adapts or it's going to die. Or you're gonna you're gonna win ten games a year with the way Harbaugh's recruiting, even with the attrition. Um you're gonna win ten games a year. But you're gonna lose to Ohio State, you're gonna lose to probably someone else. Gonna be some fluke games in there because you just end up not scoring kinda like Iowa in twenty sixteen. Yeah, I mean, do you think that Ohio State is just gonna you think that their offense is just going to die with Ryan day. It might get better. Like, right. You know, so it's like, you gotta Harbaugh has always talked about, and I don't want to go too deep into this because we're going to talk about this uh, for kind of do the bowl preview and like state of the program show next week, new year's resolutions, all of that. Um, But Harbaugh has talked about before how they aspire to be, the NFL's 33rd team, so to speak. And they want to do a lot of pro style things and run themselves like a pro organization. If you, if that's what you want to be, then you need to start mirroring what, where the league is going so you can get your guys to the league. So, I mean, you're not doing Shea Patterson any favors by having him only throw the ball 18 times a game. Like you're just not. So, um, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens uh, with all that. So do we have any more questions? Uh, yeah, we do. Um, do we do like one, know. one more probably? Yeah, we'll do one more here. I want to, I'm going to go through here and pick. Do, 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 do. We sort of talked about this. Uh, this is, so I'll, I'll we'll end it here. Cause it's kind of has tied into the theme of our show. And then we'll do our little Christmas list, our wish list here for Michigan football or Michigan sports, whatever. Uh, this is from Justin Yu. He says, why does Michigan recruiting always have so much drama? Not just the flipping, but always some parents talking shit or par- players talking shit or players transferring. Is Harbaugh really insufferable like everyone says? Um, this is another one of those, to me, bit of column A, bit of column B type things. Jim Harbaugh is an interesting guy. He is. But the majority of the kids that he brings in, they absolutely love that. So I think when you're dealing with these, you're dealing with a lot of big personalities and a coach that's a big personality. I think it's kind of inevitable that there are dust-ups like this. Um, it's kind of amplified because this, this program is so starved for a winner and these fans do want to win so bad, but it's like, I don't really freak out that much about it, but it it is kind of annoying, but I think if you go to any other school, um, any other, because there are thousands, the, literally thousands of kids. So, I guess so to speak, about the fact that this team has the nation, uh, one big time title. And this goes you know, soon be 15 years. Um, I, I think that makes things, you know, a bit more amplified. People's aggression comes out a little bit more, but, uh, I'm sure this stuff happens at, uh, Alabama and I'm sure it happens at Georgia and all in Oklahoma and the other elite programs as well. Um, 
And as far as hard Exactly. Yeah. And I think as far as Harbaugh goes, um, I hate to pull a, a kind of conspiracy theory thing out, out of my ass, but I feel like the Harbaugh machine, the the image of what Jim Harbaugh is. It's not it, a- is largely it's not a big deal in Alabama because the five star uh, that transfers gets replaced what, 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 by five sensationalized. So it's like by the media's portrayal. For some reason, I, I yeah, I, I just feel like even even before Michigan, even before all woke. this, there was just some they ESPN, you know, even Fox Sports one. Well, the technical, I guess they weren't around then, but but. Uh, sports writers all across the country had a fascination with this guy and it created this once again even before Michigan now it's obviously been amplified since he came to Michigan but that's, even that's before Michigan like, there was this narrative created that this is a divisive uh strange uh you wild, very out there, kind of crazy coach that's going to piss a lot of people off. And I think a lot of it was greatly exaggerated. Like, I don't, I, I, I think there is a major difference between the person, the, the maniac that is portrayed in the media and the person Jim Harbaugh actually is. I'm not saying he's a saint, I'm not saying he's, he's, he's uh, completely normal because he's not. But it just seems like I I feel that the turning point, I feel like, with the media's obsession with him was the Pete Carroll uh, handshake where they they ran up the score against USC. And uh, you're talking about a weird guy. You mean like 9 11 conspiracy theorist Pete Carroll? Exactly. But yeah, but for some reason, that was there, that created a rift. I think that there's, but yet you look at how the media portrays Pete Carroll. It's this fun-loving, oh, you, you, you'd love to have him as, as your dad type of guy. Pete Carroll's this great dude. And, and meanwhile, Jim Harbaugh is this is this crazy conniving, could blow up at any second villain. It, it, there's, there's zero shades of gray in that category. I don't think that there's a lot of players who come out of oh, Michigan. you talk about a weird Harbaugh guy. You mean like 9-11 conspiracy They might hate him for his coaching style. That's fine. That, hap- dude, that happens everywhere. But but I I think the the narrative that it's Harbaugh specifically who's turning people off of the program I think is just false like completely made up and false. No, I, well, I I didn't expect to that time. It's just... <laughs> well, then, I like it. Attaboy, Chris. Way to have some conviction, my man. I love it. Um, but I, I, I definitely <laughs> next next time you're gonna rant like that. Sure. Like, let me know so I can pull up like the church like organ music. <laughs> so you're like, well, let me let it be done, my brothers and sisters. I say, Jim Harbaugh is overblown. Like, yeah, it's it, it's it is, true though. It, it is. It's like a media trope sort of thing, you know. But it, it's gonna drive the clicks, man. At the end of the well, day, here's a good. Here you, you you said conspiracy theory. To me, the conspiracy theory is that like that narrative came from the 49ers who did everything they could to smear and undermine the guy mm-hmm. in the aftermath. So um, didn't hear any of that. Oh, he's going to rub uh, people the wrong way. Uh, didn't hear that when the they were going to the Super this Bowl time, and the NFC it. Championship games. It was all that last year. So What's whatever. I think that was be both of ours. Yep. Uh, so we got uh, – it is the holiday season. Christmas right around the yeah. corner. Whenever you're listening to us, it's probably a, a week away or sooner. Uh, and, and we've got Christmas wishes here for Michigan 
Athletics each got a bit of a Christmas wish. You know, what do we want for Christmas from Michigan sports? Chris, I want to start with you. Yeah, Damn the family. Yeah, gift. you stole yeah. mine. That's that's a good one. I, I, that's just like this is that's that's our, that's the brewcast Christmas wish. That's that's it. This that's is, the one. Yeah, that is uh, that's like so like as I don't know if you guys as a kid like ever wrote letters to Santa, but like I would write one and my brother would write one or whatever. We have the whole, our own things we'd ask for. There's that or forget even Santa, just like things you'd ask for for yourself. But this is like our version of you and your sibling teaming up and asking for the Xbox. Yep. Like, yeah. Like that is the family gift. If, yeah. Give us for our family here and, and the people that listen and our readers and really just Michigan fans at a whole. Like, let's let's get that natty. God, I sound like such a tool saying that, but let's let's <laughs> see that. That'd be awesome. And it's like I said, Minneapolis. I, it's a great city. Very underrated city. So yeah, let's let's f and do that. Um, I've got one. This is okay. So that was our our family present. This is my. Well, I don't, this isn't really a present for Michigan as much as it is. And I just thought of this one right now. Like this is what I don't want the kid down the street to get that little asshole who always gets what he wants and brags about it. Um, for the love of God, like can the football gods keep Justin Fields away from Ohio State? Yes, I, I was actually thinking Penn State because I know what one time he was he was committed to Penn Either State. Either them, I just please stay away from the Big Ten. For, I don't want to see him. I got mine right away. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, other than I that, want like, another year of Shea Patterson. God, I mean everything else. Uh, I, I would love I, a, and I'm I like Dylan McCaffrey I would love a lot. A change in uh, leadership on the Michigan offense, in, like that uh, would be mine. Say, I'd love a new offense year, implemented. I, I so okay, well let's let's assume that all three of us would like that guy like Shea's who would be who's your white whale like yeah you're gonna ask legendary. for the playstation 4 you the, might the get the playstation 3 but like that would still um, be okay but who <laughs> would be like next the, year's offense has the, the potential who's that even it, and i'm sure there will be some shakeups on either the offensive coaching staff or just the play calling in general but even if there oh, isn't okay, okay. i think the offense has a chance to be special with what they have coming back skill wise uh, even if they are uh running low on, on running back, the receiving core and the quarterbacks uh, have the potential to be so good. Uh, I, I, I want to see Shea Patterson come back for another year at Michigan. Thank you. Damn. I have no issues with that. And there's a, there's like a, I don't know if it's a minority or whatever, but there's a, there's a group of people out there that think that Dylan McCaffrey is better than Shea Patterson. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm just gonna tell you right now, like if he was better, he would have started like that's, they, they don't like, they have we learned nothing about this? Like they are not like, <laughs> stop, stop saying stuff like that. Shea was great. Like all year when he was allowed to like do stuff, but, like let him do more stuff. That's what yeah. I want. I want Shay. I want him to be able to do, you know what? I want Shay. To get, I want Shay. That that my Christmas wish is for Shay to get, you know, to play with his toys. That's what I want. Yes, that's like with the giving. Like at church, they have like the giving tree. You pull the thing off the leaf off the tree, and it like it's a gift for someone that you have. Jim to get. Harbaugh gave him a bunch of brand new, great toys, and didn't let him play with them. You know what? <laughs> like this, what they've done. What they've done to our poor baby boy, Shay, is <laughs> off the giving tree at church. Shay asked for the Lego. We'll just say he asked for the Lego Millennium Falcon. And these these dudes are giving him like Playmobil to play well, the, or Mega Bloks. Well, no, they, they, they've they got the Legos. They just they're forcing them to 
they're, they're trying to get him to use, like, like he has the Legos, but they're trying to show him how to build them with Lincoln Logs, you know? <laughs> Man, I just want to play with toys right now, honestly. <laughs> like, um, what else do we have on our list here? I, I don't know if I have any more. I, um, no, that's, that's the one. That's what I want. I want for Shea to be allowed to play with his toys. I want a Michigan Basketball National Championship because them boys are playing good right now. Um, yeah, uh, other than that, I don't know. Well, let's talk about Michigan hoops real quick. Like, I don't really know. They only played one game last week. Chris and I, like, we're going to kind of try and get into hoops last than the last show we did, but we're like, there's not a whole lot to talk about. You really, you really can't until we get it back into conference play. Well, yeah, because they play Saturday, so the 22nd, and they don't play again until January 30th. Or not January, December thirtieth, mm-hmm. and then they'll play. Then conference play will start on the third. So it's like, and what they play, Binghamton, and I don't know who else. You know, Poopsa Poopsa County State. I don't know. Uh, it's like there's there's nothing we can learn about this team right yeah, now. That I, I'm actually so for as, us to as even some, uh, as someone get into it. I mean, them a we have lot. things to talk about. I, I mean, I'm obviously that, that going game, in Western. The Western Look, game was twelve and zero, a little closer, fourth in the nation for comfort. But but I'll you know, say this, and I think like Beeline would say this. Beeline was not happy the, after the worst the games game. that they've played and, um, in the non-conference. Understandably still, so. I mean, they had it North, was uh, Western game, but every other it game was the has worst been, like, game they played all season. Handy. Uh, yep. I, I do handily, take some comfort so in the fact like, that not all that worried right now. Teske like that was only and the second game this year. They didn't win by double digits, and they still won by eight. And they won by nine. They were making a lot of mistakes, and I think. It, the, there were a few defensive breakdowns, but mainly it was the offense missing some shots and free throws, especially continue to be an issue. Um, it, I guess it's the first, I'll say this, the team that showed up against Villanova and North Carolina and one other, and a couple other opponents and na- some names I can't remember. Um, I think that team can beat anybody, really. Like, everyone's talking about how, and especially now that the teams that people thought were invincible, your Gonzaga's of the world, Gonzaga's lost twice. Everyone says Duke is invincible, but they give up, you know, 90 points a game. Um, I think that team could beat anyone. But I think the team that is showed up the last two or three days is a team that uh, you know could go on the road against a, a garbage Illinois or Penn State team and lose, um, and I think that will probably happen at some point this season. I still think they're really, really good. I still think they'll probably be playing their best basketball once the tournaments, uh, tournament slash tournaments, uh, come around. But um, r- the last couple games, uh, that they, they have some screws that need tightening for sure. Mm-hmm. That they do. That they do. Um and it's it's almost to me like yeah. I don't know if you if you feel this way but it's it's almost like when you know Michigan football was riding that high, right? The revenge tour, and then they took on Rutgers in Indiana, and then we saw what happened against Ohio State. You feel like that's that's kind of similar. Like they had those big games against Villanova and against North Carolina and Purdue, and then they they go back into non-con play against some pretty bad teams and, and kind of almost go on cruise control. Um. That would be a concern if they came out and played like crap in like three or four consecutive games. Cause like if they come back from whatever you want to call it, the holiday break, so to speak, and they drop a game early or look bad in a game and then drop a game. Like I can't say that I'm going to be like all that concerned because we know what they are at their best and their season. Yeah, I, I be over. At I, I think but, the chances this year are um, better than they've 
Yeah, I mean, probably ever been. I do. There is a part of me that's hoping. Uh, so I, that I don't this disagree with that. Just but, them uh, peaking uh, early. There, there's some other teams get better too. Is the there's some cracks in the foundation like, that uh, weren't I there that get better fairly and, earlier? Uh, you know, we'll just a couple weeks ago. Areas, so. but I'm just not, and that's expected. Yeah. I said it last week, and or it might have been a couple weeks ago. I said that like I was looking at Final Four tickets, yeah. thinking like. If I buy this, I feel like there's a pretty decent chance that Michigan will be here. And I still don't feel any different about that. Sure. Well, it sucks too that they they're playing like one game every seven or eight days because then you you only have that to like marinate about for a week, and you just don't yeah. like John Beeline said it over the weekend. Like you don't get better playing one game a week. Like you just don't because there's a lot of lost momentum there. So um, eh, it is what yeah. it is. They'll be fine. I'm not worried about it. Um, Red, just really, if we want to go back to Christmas like gift, what I really would like is for people because let's be honest, coming out of the bowl game and the holidays, like no one's really paying attention. To, I mean, people are, the diehards are paying attention to Michigan basketball right now, but I would really, I really just hope that this community, the fan base, the university of Michigan, like really just leans into this team hard and, and rides them hard. That's, that would be on my Christmas list because I think if you're too late to the party, it's going to look kind of, mm-hmm. kind of like bandwagony, just get on now and enjoy the ride. And if they lose in the, Second round of the tournament, whatever. Like, just, just enjoy the ride. Like, just well, you don't worry about that. You don't worry about that till it gets there. So, just take it one game at a time, and know that you have a lot of special guys and a special coach. Absolutely, man. It's going to be a fun ride, and like you said, that's one thing that I'm going to start trying to do, man. I always look towards the end. You know, I'm just going to go ahead. I'm going to enjoy this ride, and we enjoyed this ride here today. Uh, we do have a bowl preview, Florida bowl preview, coming your way. Uh, kind of part two of this, we'll we'll drop that for you next week going into the December 29th game against Florida. But um, that's coming up. Had some fun, yeah. and I do want to thank everyone that submitted questions for this podcast, by the way. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I'll add a note. Like, I'll probably, just so you guys know, like, I'm not – like, yeah, we need to get a podcast up for next week because it's bowl week, but it's also Christmas week. It's also traveling and holidays and, and heading into New Year's and all that. Like, yep. don't think that I'm going to have these guys like recording on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day or anything like that. Like, we're going to record this at like either after we do this show or a couple days later. So we have it kind of in the can. And if things come up, we'll update <laughs> it. Uh, I'll try and get that dropped either Sunday night oh, you can or find more me likely Twitter, Monday that's at morning Cast one of Christmas Eve because I figured it'd just be something C-A-S-T-E-L-L-A-N-I-2. good to have to, you know, if you got your commute to something with family or Instagram, you can find me there. That's Chris there for Cast 1 That's C-H-R-I-S. We'll kind of sum up the regular season. Look ahead to 2019 with New Year's resolutions. We'll go from there probably. I'm guessing it'll probably be a shorter, Twitter, a little bit of a shorter YouTube episode, as was this. Slash C dash um, Chris Castellani. Make sure that come uh, up right away. I made it clear I wasn't. Thank a you. Hope to see you on my feed. Getting <laughs> we'll close to eight thousand. Chris, so, where can we uh, find you on social media? Let's, uh, have you guys help me get there? All right. Anthony, where can we find you, my man? You can find me on Twitter at Anthony T. Broom. Uh, Maze and Brew on Twitter at Maze and Brew. Obviously, the show Twitter at Brewcast Show. Uh, I don't really have anything else to add other than that. Not, I don't have anything to push right now. I don't have any hot takes. Uh, I will say just real quick final thoughts. Uh, I'm currently involved in the worst fantasy football playoff game of all time. 
Uh, the team I'm playing scored 70.3 points, and I'm like really scratching and clawing my way to hopefully winning that. Uh, but it's taken – I got – the guys going on Monday Night Football. So uh, I'm a little stressed out right now. <laughs> so because there's, there's a lot of money involved here. But, uh, yeah, good good to um, – Good to talk to you guys. Good to talk to the people. And if you you know if you're checking out and not going to pay attention to the bull week stuff and not going to listen, that's that's fine. That's your prerogative. I uh, just hope that you have a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, whatever you celebrate, because we're an all inclusive show. And uh, happy New Year! And we're like I said, happy to be here. And, and I, I will say this: talking state of the show, it's going to get yeah. There's going to be less stuff to talk about, but. Uh, we're going to start doing more interviews and stuff after, after the new year. So we'll get through this show, get through the bowl preview. And then um, we have some interesting stuff coming on the way. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Giardi, L U K E G H I A R D I go follow me on Twitter. Can always, uh, I'll be watching Michigan basketball all year long. Have some good conversations on there. So for my partners, Chris Castellani and Anthony Broom, this has been another edition of Brewcast. Appreciate you joining along. Thanks for the questions. Had some fun. Stay tuned for that bowl preview next week, and we'll see you. Have a happy holidays. He goes!